Having our very first fun drive. That's right, folks. It's Pledgerama Week, and we need your help. Call in the pledge at 204-474-6610. The board broad is manning the phones, and she wants your money. Money don't get everything, it's true. What it don't get, I can't use. I want money. Joining us live and direct, Sonny Chilliwack, B.C., the man himself. George, how's it going? Well, I tell you, man, I, I, I'm coming back thinner, browner, and maybe even a little bit taller. <laughs> How's that possible? Yeah, maybe not the taller part, but uh, the, the thinner and browner, possibly. I've been suntanning up until a few days ago. The weather here has just been amazingly awesome. Well, that, you know, uh, that's, uh, I'm not going to complain because the weather around here has been pretty good, although I'm, I'm guessing not, not as good as the weather you've been enjoying. So I'm a little envious. I'm a little envious. I'm, I'm not going to lie. So. Yeah, I mean, I've been out here doing some family <coughs> issues. Well, not really family issues. I've been looking after my mom. Oh, you're such a good boy. Yeah, so she made the move to Chilliwack. I'm so happy that she's here. She's got a... A great little place out here, and I've been so enjoying her balcony, just sitting outside and getting my mountain fix. It's been amazingly amazing. And I, you know, you you mentioned that uh, that you will uh, knock on wood be uh, returning to Winnipeg very very soon to this very chair that I am sitting in, and you'll be uh, back doing Sacred Space live uh, in the very very near future. But for today. We get to collaborate. First ever time. Uh, first ever time. I've I've gotten to uh, probably the first ever time outside of Pledgerama that I'm here on the weekend as early as I have been. Yeah. Uh, I can't. Uh, I can't say that uh, that it hasn't been hard <laughs> getting oh, up here. God, I, I appreciate your dedication and uh, and uh, you and Lynn have been doing this now at UMFM for well over ten years, right? Yeah. I mean, let's see. I. I started, uh, like you mentioned earlier, at Kootenai Co-op Radio in, and get this, our first show, um, well, maybe I'll tell you a little bit of the story, how, yeah, for sure. how it kind of all started. I was, at the time, I'd gotten out of youth care and got my Microsoft certified system engineer and uh, was working in the computer field. And I was getting home at like midnight. And, you know, you always need a little bit of toned down time before you go to bed. Mm-hmm. So I started listening to Art Bell. Lots of people have probably heard of the Art Bell show, Coast to Coast. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I liked some of it, but some of it I, I found kind of hokey and and, um, and maybe, I don't know if real is the right word, because I guess, you know, it's all perspective. But um, I just figured of doing something similar to that from a Canadian perspective coming from a spiritual perspective and spiritual not meaning not meaning religious but 
spirituality. And so, like in the old days, I used to hang out with a number of medicine people and still do um, at, the, uh, at this day and age. But one of my favorite things, and I think this is where it kind of all started, because one of my favorite things to do was to sit around a fire just listening to elders and medicine people tell their stories is my favorite thing to do. And, um, and so anyway, listening to Art Bell and phoned up this friend of mine, longtime friend, um, and said, you know, I got this idea. It's been incubating in my brain for the last few months of starting up a radio. I never had any type of broadcasting, never any thoughts of doing anything like this. And, um, and said, you know, I got this idea. I wanted and told him this, just what I said now. And, and he said, well, it just so happens, George, that a little station just opened up here in, uh, in Nelson. And I used to live in the Kootenays, not Nelson, but close, close to Nelson, in the Slocan Valley. And, um, and he said, and they're looking for content. So I, got, I get off the phone with him at about 8 or 9 o'clock in the, uh, at, in the evening and um, phone my boss and said, I quit, and packed up the car that night, and then the next morning drove one shot, took me 21 hours, drove from Winnipeg to Nelson, B.C., and we put together a little demo CD, took it to the station manager there. Oh, what was her name now? I keep thinking Freya, but it wasn't Freya. Um, I forget. But um, she loved it so much, she's like, do you want to do a show like next week? And so we started, we had a different name. It was called Livestreams at the time. And uh, first show, September 11th, 2001. Wow. So we wake up Sunday morning. We, we kind of had a, a show put together, like what we were going to do, which was to introduce ourselves and to um, you know, talk about the different things we'd be exploring and so forth. But we had to instantly change the show because you could not talk about that. So we, uh, that was our first show. Our first show was on September 11th, 2001, and we talked about what happened and, uh, and tried to curb the, the Muslim hating and, um, and just tried to, you know, put uh, things in perspective. And, uh, and then did it out there for a year and a half. By the end of that year and a half, the show was three hours long, and uh, it, it, we had some great guests. It was, it was awesome. And Lynn was actually going to move out uh, with me to B.C., but she had some medical issues at the time and um, just didn't make sense for her to quit her job and lose her benefits and all that kind of stuff. So I came back to Winnipeg, and I brought, I don't know, three or four of the, you know, some of the shows and took them to the time, uh, at that time, Liz, was the station manager. Yeah, former station manager, Liz Clayton. Yeah, awesome, awesome. And um, gave, it, gave her three or four shows on a Friday night. She phoned me Sunday and said, I listened to all three of them, absolutely loved them. Do you want to do a show Wednesday? And I'm like, <laughs> uh, it's Sunday. I'm like, oh, Okay. So the first show was done on a Wednesday afternoon, I think, at 4, from 4 to 5. And uh, after I was so used to doing three hours that I said to Liz, you know what, Liz, I did, uh, an hour just isn't enough. Is there any way I can get a two-hour slot? And anyone who knows me knows I am not a morning person. 
Well, it's funny, Lynn and I were talking about that uh, about 15 minutes ago. It's crazy. And she says, well, George, the only, the only slot we got available is Sunday mornings, 8 to 10. I don't know. I was, I've been such a pest over the years, pestering you. Can you please get me to a different time slot? Can you please get me to a different time slot? And now it's just become so ingrained that I, I don't think I'd even want a different time slot. Well, and she said that, you know, the, the night before, that uh, that very often, you know, when you come in to do the show, you're running on no sleep or, or next yeah. to no sleep because you're you're up the night before, you're doing research on the guest or you're prepping for the show. And it's, you know, it's it's interesting interesting because that's kind of what drives community radio. And I was talking talking about how you got your start at the Kootenai Radio Co-op in Nelson. And it's, you know, they've been around roughly, in and around the same same amount of time that we have. Um, I think they're, what, f- 14 or 15 years as well, right? They just yeah. started sort of at the tail end of the 90s. Yeah. And, you know, they have really become one of the, if not the preeminent community radio station model to look at yeah. across the country. And it's interesting because... If and if you've ever been to Nelson, which I know you obviously have, but for the people listening, it's it's an interesting town and it's an interesting mix of 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 folks, right? Um, people from all different walks of life, and the radio station there is probably very similar to the radio station here in that it reflects the diversity of the people living in the community and supporting all the different aspects of the community and that's that's what makes something like UMFM or or the Kootenai Radio Co-op it makes it so important right is that we are all about supporting the local community and supporting and bringing stuff to our listeners that they're not going to hear in other places and it's it's really really important that that people recognize that especially in this day and age when you know everything is there's a lot of unfortunate uh stuff that goes on in the world and a lot of negativity and whatnot and it's interesting that you talk about having having uh, an auspicious start doing your first show on the date of one of the the most catastrophic events in in my lifetime, certainly, maybe, you know, also in your lifetime, right? Yeah, I mean, it's sure. it's just, I remember sitting and watching that at work, and I have, I have, uh, uh, half my family's American, and I had family, I had uh, a cousin who was working at the Pentagon at oh, the time, geez. and it was just like, okay, I... I can't, I can't deal with this. And I went to my supervisor, like, I got to go home. I got to, I got to call the people that I know down there. I've got to touch base with everybody and, and try and make sure that everybody's all right. And, you know, you guys jumping right in there and, and, you know, trying to, to quell some of the anger and some of the fear that people are thinking or feeling. And, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those things that we just, we just kind of do. Are we, are we, uh, counselors? Well, in your case, yes, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, you know, we, we lend an ear, we, we provide a voice and it's, uh, it's just, it's the beauty of campus and community radio, right? It is. And, and, you know, I, it, it Sometimes, I, I don't know, I guess sometimes, at least speaking for myself, I tend to forget just how important 
community and campus radio truly is because and and, and uh, to me it's even uh, more so nowadays when most of the mainstream media has been taken over by corpse and and uh, and are basically just uh uh, videos for their, you know, own enterprises. But so, uh, you know, a lot of times people really don't uh, uh, get, um, uh, and truth might be too harsh of a word, or maybe not, I guess, again, it's a, a lot of it's perspective or relative, but um, it, it's a way that you can honor your community by doing and having the passion and, uh, um, you know, just to standing up, and and um, and, I, and I do think it's so important too to to share whatever piece of you that you are that you can that you have the energy to do at that moment, and um, and to do that, it, it, it's to me it's as important as the artist, the poet, um, any of those in my eyes that are pioneers that are you know as Carl Jung would would call it, uh, adding to the collective conscious or the collective unconscious, and I truly believe. And now, I don't know whether you've heard me say this this one or not, but I've said it a few times. Some listeners will go, oh, God, George's going on it again. But, um, you know, I think that with radio waves, and this has been a driving force from the beginning um, when, I, when I was letting the, the, the thoughts incubate about uh, radio waves. And I don't think that we truly know <clears throat> everything there is to know about radio waves. And, I mean, they, it goes across the earth and then out into space. So who knows, there could be some little green dude sitting on a planet somewhere hearing UMFM for the first time, going, hmm, well, after watching that TV, it doesn't really, uh, you know, think that they have much intelligence, but after listening to that show or that show or that person speak and, and that music, um, you know, maybe the, the, there is some sentient life down there. It's just that, you know, it just keeps going, and I think it adds to the pool of our collective consciousness and it's that positivity that you spoke of earlier that adds to uh, a world that sometimes uh, is only given the negative aspects of of man and uh, community radio and uh, just for the little bits that i've seen and you've seen far greater with the different places that you've gone and and, and spoken with the different peoples uh, throughout you know nationwide uh, through uh, community radio that um, they're all positive I haven't walked into a community station that isn't a positive station. Well, and and you know what, it a lot of what you're saying about radio makes sense. And the unfortunate thing, right, over the last probably five to seven years, people have been moaning about the 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 preeminent death and the coming death of radio and of newspapers, right? Yeah. And you know, as technology pushes further and further and further forward, you know, things like satellite radio and, you know, radio on demand and podcasts and, and, you know, newspapers are all online. But the thing is, is that I don't feel like radio will ever truly die. And at a certain point, I think it's going to gain more prominence because it is the one thing that can be used in a number of different facets, not only for entertainment, but can be used to, you know, pull people together uh, in times of emergency or trouble. You know, public broadcast system is, is you know, is important to the community. And a station like UMFM is important to the community because, like you said, unfortunately, we're not necessarily able to control 
what the the big conglomerates and the big media corporations are feeding to us. So as a smaller station who has control over what we put on our airwaves and has uh, has a say in, you know, I am comfortable bringing in any number of hosts. We give them training. We make sure that they know what they're doing. And, you know, once they go through that four or six hour training process, it's like, okay, here it is, you know. Take take free reign, take the board, as long as you're respectful and as long as you, you respect your listeners, you respect your community, and you do what you're here to do, then have at it. Say what you want, play the music that you want, and there are very few rules and there are very few guidelines that you have to follow, and, and you know what? Go at it. Have fun. Do what you're here to do. Don't do what do what you think I want you to do or what your fellow hosts want you to do. That's not why we brought you in. We brought you in because you're going to provide a unique perspective that's not being hear, heard elsewhere on this station or in this city, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it, it's so uh, needed. And um, and I think we, you know, in our daily lives, we just, we, we tend to forget just, just how needed. It, not only it is, but for us, at UMFM, uh, we've had it easy for the last, what, 12, 14 years, that I've been there at least, um, where we didn't have to do this because of the uh, uh, university aspect. Mm-hmm. But with all other communities, well, not maybe, maybe there's one or two others that are community and university as well, but for the most part, they're all uh, by donations and uh, uh, volunteers, and uh, it, it's how they're kept going. And that's why it's so important to have... Even though there's, you know, there may be one or two people out there that don't really uh, appreciate doing this, but I really uh, uh, acknowledge the the worth of having things like Pledgerama and uh, and and getting some uh, feedback in the way of support from the community at large um, to to show their thanks of the things that uh, that we do as a station. And you know, I was thinking about this. Well, what, what kind of theme, because I like to kind of do themes sometime, and, and um, so I thought we'd play some of the music that, um, you know, I've played on Sacred Space, and, and as well, you know, the things that have touched me, and that's why, um, you know, I get touched by, by different guests that I've had on, and I've had listeners phone up and go, oh my God, that music, it just, it brought me to tears because of this experience or that experience or what I'm going through now, or I heard that guest, what they said, and I, I had to have his book. You know, he went through stage four cancer, and, and I'm going through cancer, and I could really use his help, and so on and so forth. And you just, you know, the, before we, we head to our first break here, and, and um, uh, I just wanted to say that, you know, again, when I was kind of letting it all incubate in those formative years, I wanted to... My whole um, mantra, I guess one could say, was to touch one person on the spiritual level. And after, the, after that very first September 11th show of 2001, I went into the radio station, KCR, and uh, in their slot, written on a back of an envelope, was, I had a spiritual experience while listening to your show yesterday. And I thought... Wow. Holy crap! Yeah, I, I, everything else is gravy. Yeah, so it it, uh, it happened after like the first show, and uh, it's of course continued to happen since. 
Um, but, um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a beautiful thing, and to touch people uh, in uh, uh, ways of a spiritual nature, emotional, physical, mental, um, that uh, it's just a, a beautiful thing. And I thought, for uh, what, a, what a great song to start up um, today's show, and then we'll get to the swag when we come back from the break, <clears throat> is um, Lorraine Sagato's or the, uh, from the Parachute Club, Rise Up. And uh, when you, uh, you know, as, as you mentioned, uh, we, will, uh, we will talk about some of the incentive stuff. Before we go, uh, you can give us a call, 204-474-6610. I think I saw Gail Comfort roll in here. She, she's here now. Lynn is here now. That's and right. Lynn's on the, manning the phones as well. That's yeah, they're, they're waiting to take your call. They're looking forward to talking with you. And, uh, and you know, you can call. You can pledge your support to Great Community Radio here in Winnipeg. Uh, we're going to play, uh, as George said, Parachute Club, Rise Up, uh, Pledgerama 2014. And uh, you're tuned into Sacred Space. And we will be back here Oh, a couple minutes or so, and uh, I've got George on the line. He's in Chilliwack, and uh, and he's been up. Uh, have you been up all night? I've been up all night. He's been up all night, so he's going on no sleep. Yeah. I'm going on very little sleep. So uh, you know, at the very least, you can call and you can pledge your support for for two tired dudes talking on the radio. Yeah. All right, we'll be back uh, in a moment. You're tuned into Sacred Space right here, Pledgerama 2014. Uh, the number again: two zero four four seven four sixty six ten.
Hey there, we're back. Sacred Space, UMFM 101.5. Phones are starting to ring off the hook, and uh, I want to I wanna let uh, those calling out there know that uh, we, are, we are running with a phone staff of two right now. So if you call and they're on the line, please call back. Please call back, and, uh, and uh, Gail and Lynn are looking forward to, to chatting with you, to taking your pledge, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, telling you about uh, some, some of the great incentives or the tax receipt or what have you, and really the great feeling about knowing that you're supporting something that is important to the community. And uh, George... One of the things I wanted to mention um, is you were talking about, you know, not real, not realizing, you know, who's out there, who's listening, and the sort of impact that you're having. Uh, one of the things that you were doing in September is you've always been very, very diligent about, you know, if you go away on vacation or you're going to be away for a bit of an extended period, you put together a series, right? And you've run... Um, uh, Celestine Prophecy, you've run uh, the Camino, a few other things. And we had a bit of a technical uh, glitch one week. Yeah. <laughs> and I heard from a gentleman, I think about three times <laughs> yeah. that week, talking about how he was actually about to make a pilgrimage to New York, yeah. to the Institute where I guess the Celestine prophecy is is sort of the the gospel, right? Yeah, yeah. And so he was like, how can I get a copy of that? I need a copy of that. You know, I'm preparing for this, and what George is doing on the show right now is playing a really, really big part in my preparation. Wow. And, man, I missed out I missed out on half of that because of the technical issues that you you guys had. Can you get me a copy? I need I need a copy of that. I need to listen to it in its entirety. So we were able to help him out and stuff. Okay. But uh, it was interesting because it's just like that's the kind of uh, passion that our listeners sort of exude you know we yeah. we care about things that you know others others might think oh well you know that's in the grand scheme of it well that's not such a big deal you missed half an hour of a radio show but for a lot of our programs sacred space obviously included this is on-demand listening and this is the sort of stuff you don't get elsewhere yeah yeah i tell you but i i, I was going to tell another story but maybe i'll wait Maybe we should do the swag first, or should I tell this? No, story? no, tell the story. Okay, Th- this one is a this one was a big one for me. <clears throat> I remember, um, and this is a, a, a proponent to what you just spoke on. It was this one show oh, would have been about. I'm not good with time, so it could be anywhere from four years ago to eight years ago. Uh, actually, it would have to be at least seven because he was on the other side of the fence for seven years. But I get this phone call. Uh, I was just finishing up the show. And um, I was walking out, and Ray, um, who does a jazz show after me, was already in the chair, getting ready to do his, uh, his uh, show. The phone rings, and uh, just as I'm walking out of the studio, Ray's going, oh, George, it's for you. I'm like, oh, okay. So I take this phone, and the funny thing is that I, I'm in this, at that time, the station hadn't been renovated yet. And so, by, actually, I was being in the same place anyway, but I was underneath the... Um, desk and trying to talk really quietly while Ray is on the air. And so I get this guy in the show and I mistake his name. I thought he said Nigel, but he actually said Nacho. And um, so I'm calling him Nigel through this whole conversation. 
and and he's going up, and he kept saying, "I'm on this side of the fence. I'm on this side of the fence." And I didn't understand the terminology of what what he's meaning by when he says this side of the fence. And um, so we're talking for I don't know. We talked for quite a while, and he's like, "Oh man, it's just an honor to listen and to speak to you." And and he says, "On this side of the fence, I'm like, uh, and I'm not." reacting. He goes, George, do you know what this side of the fence means? And I said, no. He said, well, I'm in Headingley right now. And he said, and he's this native guy, and he says, this is how we start our week. We start our week by listening to your show. Then all of us natives go out, we do a sweat, and that's how we start our week. Every week we listen to Sacred Space first, and then we go and do our sweat. And, um, and I tell you, for me, that was huge. So all these guys in the pen are listening to sacred space and it's like starting their week and it just it was one of those rewards that maybe you don't get as often as you think you would you should get you know sometimes our ego gets the best of us but um i tell you it just it spoke so much to me that you know and i i'm not putting in anybody on a higher scale at listener wise um but it's just an example of one of those things where where it really touches somebody's life in some way, shape, or form, and that you get to be a part of it. And for me, that's huge. Because um, when I was running with a soul timer named Billy Mays, an old sweat lodge leader who's since passed on, um, doing sweats for years up and down the west coast of Canada and the States, um, you know, being a part of his group, his crew, it was later to become known as his rock dog. Um, and just seeing people coming out of a sweat lodge, and I, I called it the blossoming. When you see them come out of a sweat and they've found a piece of themselves that they've you know, left in the past or something, or they've you know, got some kind of inner knowledge or inner wisdom that they didn't have two hours ago. And I tell you, it is just the most beautifulest thing just to be a participant, because it was Billy, it had nothing to do with me, I was just doing the rocks and bringing the rocks in and stuff like that, you know, closing the flap door and, and building the sweat and taking it down and such, but um, just to, to, to see people blossom and, and coming out of that, it's just so cool, and the same thing for when you're talking about radio and you get that feedback of being a participant or an observer in somebody's blossoming in whatever way, shape, or form that takes place is just freaking awesome. It's got to be an awesome feeling, eh? It's it just It's just knowing that, okay, so these guys, these guys are locked up, and they're probably hating the world, and they're, they're ang- you know, angry, but, you know, I'm guessing that that uh, man would probably have a lot of time to think, a lot of time on his hands, yeah. right? Yeah. And making the conscientious decision that okay, here I am, I'm in a I'm in a bad spot, but I can use this spot as a learning experience, and I can turn things around, and I can I can move down a more positive path. Yeah. And you know, knowing that they could start their week in any number of ways. And choosing to listen to the radio, and it's like it's like having that cup of coffee in the morning, and it's like here we go, you know we've now now we've set ourselves straight, and now 
we can proceed on our on our path and we can uh, we can we can get on with our day and then we can go out and they go out and they share that experience together and it's just i can uh, i can only imagine how you felt i mean i i think of my own show and you know i've never haven't done a lot of talk haven't done you know i do interviews for sure but i know that you do interviews almost every week with people from you know not only locally but from around the world and knowing that you can engage people on that level and you can and you can sort of reach in and and sort of touch touch their soul in some way and make a positive impact in their life especially for folks who are in a bad spot or were in a bad spot and now we're on the road back to to uh, to the right side of the ledger, you know. Yeah, it, it, it's absolutely amazing. And luckily, um, uh, Nacho is out. He's living outside of Winnipeg. We we speak uh, periodically mm-hmm. um, on the phone, and uh, he's doing great, and uh, you know, uh, doing well. So it's uh, it's it's a beautiful thing, and that's just. And I know for yourself, um, you know, you've been in radio. Almost yeah. 15 years. Yeah, longer than I've been in radio. And because uh, you were, at the, when I first got there, I think you were... I had just started... As station manager. Or, uh, no, as, started as a program director. That's it, program director. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and so I uh, I started as a volunteer, like 99% of everyone else here at UMFM. Uh, We've got about 125 active volunteers, about 140 sort of volunteers at large. And the way it started for me, when I I, uh, came out of high school, I... It was sort of the middle of the the big sort of dot com boom, and people were making a lot of money working in in computers and doing programming and stuff and so growing up i I wanted to be a sports broadcaster that was my big thing. I love sports, especially baseball is my big thing, and so I wanted to be a sports broadcaster and i um was looking at different options and was going to go to school for communications. And uh, I had already decided I was going to go to uh, to Bemidji State University, which is where uh, my parents met, my grandparents met, my aunt and uncle met, and it was like a family tradition, right? Wow. They had a good communi- communications program. But then I started to think about it, and it's just like, well, you know what? I'm a young guy. I'm just kind of getting, getting sorted out here. Maybe I should uh, maybe I should go after the money. Maybe I should go where the money is right now, and not necessarily what my heart truly desires. And so, I went and I got a got a, a computer sciences degree, and I did a five year degree in three and a half years by going through school every summer session not taking any sort of breaks and just kind of plowing through it. And the reason I did that is because. I saw a lot of my uh, a lot of my buddies were just kind of hanging around, <laughs> getting up to no good, and weren't really doing anything uh, of any of any sort of consequence. And you know, a couple of them were flunking out of school, wasting a lot of tuition money and stuff. And I just like, you know what? I want to work. I want to plow through this, and I want to make some cash. And you know, I did that, 
and I went on. I became a programmer and uh, did some pretty cool stuff and worked on some programs that uh, I think had a positive impact in in a couple of the the reserves, northern reserves and uh, the sort of eastern reserves here in Manitoba. And the thing is, is I worked so hard. I was doing 14, 16-hour days sometimes and totally burned myself out by the time I was 25 and just walked into my boss's office one day and said, you know what, I can't handle this anymore. I'm out. I'm done. And and quit without a job. <laughs> and, uh, you know, two weeks two weeks later, gave my resignation. Two weeks later, uh, I, was, uh, I had to work. I had to figure something out, so I ended up working at a call center and wandered over to, uh, to a music store downtown and was always very, very passionate about music. So I wandered over to a music store downtown, and uh, they happened to be hiring, and I ended up talking to the boss, and she said, well, you know, I can offer, you know, a few shifts here and there, and it's very, very part-time, but I figured, okay, well, I can sort of juggle two things and and not even still come close to what I was earning prior, but enough to make ends meet. And I ended up talking to... Uh, one of my new co-workers, and she said to me, she's like, hey, she's like, you seem to know something about music, and you seem you seem to be a, a, a good guy, and you seem to be slightly knowledgeable, and and uh, she's like, I host this radio show, uh, does we talk about talking about new releases and new music, and my co-host is sick. Do you want to come hang out? And I came down here had never been here, had never been trained, had never anything. And I just came and I sat in and afterwards walked out and the station manager at the time, who was Liz, came out of her office and she's like, hey, you were pretty good on the radio. Have you ever thought about doing this? I'm like, yes, actually, I have thought about doing this. <laughs> and she's like, well, you should come by. You should, you know, you should, uh, you should come by. You were very comfortable. You should, you should put in a show proposal. So I got the forms from her. And very similar to your story, submitted the proposal. Didn't turn around as quickly, but, you know, about a month later, I landed my own spot here and, uh, and have never really left. And then a job came, job came open, and it was like, at the time, I was about to go back into, into school. I was going to go take the communications degree that I had actually should have taken in the first place. And, uh, and then I got a job offer to come work here and it was like well you know i can go get practical training and on on the job training and i can do something that i really really am enjoying doing or i can go sit in a classroom for another two years and get the training that i'm going to get anyways from a book and it's just like no way man forget that and so you know that's it i i've 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 been here ever since and you know, I guess in May of this year, I'll be looking at, at nine years as the station manager and and have been here for 15. And yeah, the, you know, the, another thing that you had mentioned about uh, about the pledge drive is that we never had to do this. You know, for, for the first 12, 12 years of the station's existence, we're now in year 16, we never had to do this because, you know, we had a really, really good support system in place. But... When I would go to those conferences that with my peers and I talked to the other community radio people and campus people from across the country, they'd say, you don't do a funding drive, you don't do a, a, a pledge drive, you don't do a telethon, you don't do something like that. And I'm like, well, no, we don't have to. And they said, wow, that's, that's great, I guess. <laughs> but 
I guess what I didn't realize is that the big impact for me, and you know, inevitably when when Pledgerama is rolling around, I get asked to do an interview for the campus, the campus newspaper, or for a different media outlet here in town. And the question always is, what is the best thing about Pledgerama for you? And of course, you know, the logical answer would be, well, we're making money, mm-hmm. but. The big thing for me and the big thing that, that, that has always existed for me is kind of twofold. You get to see support come in from the community because you know that people are listening. You kind of wonder sometimes, right, it, yeah. because we exist in a vacuum and we're in this room and the door closes and, you know, we've got this great view of the campus and we're speaking to Winnipeg as a whole. But you think, okay, well, you know, Sunday morning at, at 10 to 9, Who's up? Who's listening? Yep. Right? And you you think sometimes while well, you're talking talking out there to no one, but at the end of the day, you know, you know that there's somebody always listening. And when we see, you know, 500 pledges, 550 pledges come in over a week, it's just like, holy smokes. There are people out there. This station is super important to people and they believe in it so much that they are willfully Forking over donations, they're happy to do so, and they're really, really excited, and they're engaged, and they're talking to our phone people, and they're they're saying, oh, yeah, I've been listening for years, and it's great to talk to you, and, you know, it's been cool, too, is, like, people come in to pay pledges, or they come in to pick up their stuff, and, and I'm, I'm always happy, or Michael's always happy, our program director, Michael Love's always happy. It's like, oh, hey, do you want a tour? And they're just like, you see their eyes light up, and it's just like, yeah. Yeah, I want a tour. And then the other thing is seeing the volunteers all interact Mm -hmm. with one another. And, you know, this year was... it was one of the new things that we introduced this year, and this is this is some some behind the scenes talk a little bit. But we introduced this kind of this fun little team competition, right? Where we put all of the shows on one of six teams, and it wasn't met with the most resounding response. But you know what's been interesting is that since then. And people have been coming in, and as uh, during the first three days of, of Pledgerama uh, 2014, people have been like, yeah, you know, I'm meeting people on my team, we had meetings, we're talking over email. It's like, now I know, you know, I know people here, I know this person, I know that person, and we're talking on Facebook, we're friends, we're, you know, shooting emails back and forth, and it's like, yes, yes you are, and this is the wonderful thing about a campus radio station is it brings people from all different walks of life together and we're all working towards that one common goal right yeah. to raise those funds and to keep doing what we're doing whether you're a jazz host or you play hip-hop or you play the loudest dirtiest black metal or you you do a show like sacred space right we're all filling our own void here and uh, and it's what's wonderful about uh, about UMFM. Yeah, I tell you, you know, I, I'm in some ways a little bit um, disappointed that I wasn't there for this one because you know, I've been talking to Lynn, you know, almost every day and such, and and just she's been telling me how how great it's been to meet all the different people of the team, and oh, that you know, I started listening to that show or 
started listening to that show, and I'm like, God, they really do a good show. Yeah. And it's just, you know, you become, it was one of the differences that I, I, I did notice when I first came to Winnipeg. And um, at, at KCR, it's a lot smaller. And so there weren't as many people. So it didn't take that length of time to kind of meet everybody. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like we had barbecues and get-togethers. And it was like a big family, and everybody's pulling for everybody. Everybody, you know, wanted everybody's show to do well. And it was this beautiful family-type space. And when I got to Winnipeg, it was like so much bigger. But my thought at the time was, well, I'd rather be a, a small fish in a big pond than a big fish in a small pond. And that was like the, that was the the decision maker for me to to switch from KCR to to UMFM. And now that I've seen, unfortunately, at this point, um, being th- that that new uh, thing that that uh, you started on this on this uh, pledge drive, um, I missed out on. And I'm a little bit envious that Lynn was there and I wasn't to to meet all the people and to have the meetings and get to know them and all that kind of stuff. Because that that's that whole part of making it that family kind of feeling. And once you get to know the person, you get to listen to their show. Oh, man, that guy said this or did that or played that music. or And it just, it just brings everybody so much closer. Yeah. I think and, it was a, 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 such a cool idea that you did that. Yeah. And, I mean, you know, as 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 is the want uh, sometimes when when you know the man comes and tells you hey we're changing the rules a little bit just like no you're not <laughs> no you're not no we don't want to do that yep. but there was there was a lot of discussion yeah <laughs> at at the board level and it's just like okay can we do this cuz we're kind of kind of flipping the script here and we're going to put some people out of their comfort zone, but at the end of the day, we know that everybody comes at it from the same place. Yeah. They just might not know it yet, right? And yeah. it's just like, by making people sort of work together on this sort of thing, we are going to develop a community, with uh, w- our own little community within our community, and that's really, really important for us. Yeah. That, to me, you know, the listener response and the team building is the result there is is far far more immeasurable than than the donations and the pledges coming in don't get me wrong we love the support but the you know the intrinsic value of of the community building aspect of it is is kind of where it's at for me so yeah you know it, it uh, when i when i liken it to uh working in uh uh you know in in the social work field of you know being in a a place like Marymount, working in Marymount, and having such a, a, a really good team. And after I, I moved on from Marymount and worked in the different shelters and stuff, I never experienced that kind of team gelling since my time at Marymount. And, and it's, it, it's just, it, it makes such a difference, not only to the people that are working, but to the kids that you're helping or the kids that you're uh, protecting sometimes. Um, but it just, it just, the ripples just keep going. And it's not just an in-house thing. It is a, it just ripples out to everybody. Yeah, it's true.
true. It's it's so cool. Now uh, I wanted to mention I forgot to at the top that in uh, it will get to your swag rate right, uh, uh, next here that um, for for sacred space there's going to be um, the first five callers that called uh, in to the station during sacred space will get the Michelle uh, Bodine CD and if you're uh, a caller who called in like last year the year before and you've gotten I forget the title so I don't have them in front of me but um, if you've already got that title then we will give you a different one well, but you I don't get the same one. I know that uh, uh, Lynn and Gail have been coming in and have been taking the CDs off the desk. The ones that I've got right now, uh, I've got one called Raining Rainbows, yeah. Uplifting Happy Music, Wonderful for Children as well, and The Magnificence of You, yeah. which is uh, music for relaxation, meditation, and massage. Yeah, and so, Michelle Bodine, I mean, she, she lives in Hawaii, and all that music is channeled. And in, in the beginning, in the early days of Sacred Space, we actually, I used to play her music in the background of the show. So during an, during a... While you uh, were talking? Yeah, when we were sharing, or, or I, I like to call them radio visits. I don't like, I don't really like to use interview, except when I, I had this guest on, Jeff Brown, an amazing author in Ontario, and um, he said I could use this, so I use it with his permission. Mm-hmm. Because it's not an interview, George, it's an interview. <laughs> And so I use I, I either use interview or uh, radio visit, and because it's more of a sharing, I kind of try to come from a place of it's a sharing thing. It's not a, you know, you don't, you, you know. I learned it's in, this interesting thing that um, on my first big interviews, <laughs> I just used the word mm-hmm. uh, interviews, and actually it was an interview with David Suzuki, and I'm all excited, and I've met him a few times before, but not in this capacity. And uh, so I'm, I'm at his hotel room, and I've got all my list of questions, except I was assuming that he was going to answer yes to my first question. Of course, that would lead to the next question and next question. And, next <laughs> and he question. didn't. <laughs> and so I asked him this question, and I thought for sure he's going to say yes to, and he said no. And I went, uh, uh, yeah. And I took my book in, in front of him, and I threw it behind me, and I went, okay. And just from that point on, like I don't do... I do my research, I do my homework, but I don't, like, you know, do this set, you know, because I found that a lot of times you, you, you tend to be waiting for the next question to ask instead of actually listening to the guest. Well, and that's, and see, that's the thing that, you know, very, uh, very, very similar, similarly for me, too. It's like the first couple of times that I did interviews, uh, one, of the guy, one of the guys I was super excited to interview was uh, an author from Vancouver named Douglas Copeland, who's kind of been anointed as one of the voices of of my generation and he wrote this book called generation x and it really really spoke to a lot of people of my ilk and it was just like i was so so nervous and so amped up to interview him and i probably had a list of questions you know 15 to 20 questions deep and i did the interview with him and it was fine and it was good and and i was happy with the end result but I I reflected on it afterwards and it was just like, you know what? I think I would have enjoyed that a whole lot more if I would have just had a conversation with the man and yeah. just, you know, related to him on a human level because it doesn't matter a uh, musician, author, you know, politician, uh spiritualist, what what have you at the end of the day we're all we're all people, <laughs> you know. Yeah, we're all equal, and we're all uh, we're all just 
you know, that's what I, I, I try and do. It's, it, it's kind of have it akin to we're just sitting on the couch, sipping yep. tea, just yep. rapping. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and I think that, you know, what, uh, what I've tried to impart in, in, you know, training new volunteers at the end of the day is, you know what, you can put your questions together and have it there at hand in case, you know, there's a lull or you get yeah. stuck and you can go to it. Exactly. But I think you're going to get a lot more out of it if you just kind of relate to them on a human level and just kind of ad lib and and riff on it as it goes and you know you're going to get better answers you're going to get a better interview because you're going to relate to that person on a one-on-one basis so yeah exactly and i mean that i've had so many guests where and and i'm sure you've had this same thing where you know the first few minutes you can tell maybe maybe the first by the end of the first half hour and um you know they're, they're kind of nervous and and they're kind of like one word answers you know but then Fifteen minutes later, it's a sentence, and then the next segment, it's like you know. They, now you just ask something, and they're they're gone for like twenty five minutes. Yeah, you know, and it's just it just you can see the development of this one to one relationship that begins to build and build and build, and now you're just two dudes just rapping. Yeah, it's just it's it's an equal playing field. Yeah, and uh, and it's and it's and it's exciting. Yep. to always to uh, to relate. Yep. you know, uh, we should mention again the phone number here is two zero four four seven four six six one zero. I have been hearing the phone ringing, and I'm going to go. Uh, uh, collect the pledges uh, when we take our next break and find out who uh, who is who is checked in uh, with uh, with our phone friends out there. Uh, do you have another song that you want to play? Yeah, I do. Uh, you know, I was, I was just actually trying to to, to think, and um, I want to keep it a little bit upbeat. So so let's do the uh, Eagles of Death Metal and uh, Flames Go Higher. Nice. Uh, you're tuned into Sacred Space right here, Pledgerama 2014. Uh, George is in Chilliwack. Jared is live here in the studio. It's a beautiful day in Winnipeg, and uh, the sun is, is, is rising on the campus here. And it's, uh, it's going to be a really, really great day and uh, lots of great Sunday programming coming up. And, uh, and we will be back shortly. We're coming up on 9 o'clock. The number again, 204-474-6610. Sacred Space, Pledgerama 2014. Here's the Eagles of Death Metal. Yeah.
Rama, UMFM's annual listener funding drive returns for its third year from 6.30 p.m. Friday, October 17th to 8 p.m. on Friday, October 24th. Last year, we surpassed our goal of $24,000, and this year we've increased that goal to $28,000, but we can only reach new heights with your help. We've lined up some amazing incentives for this year, including a classic troop for the Winnipeg winter and the latest edition of Transmissions from UMFM Compilation. Or you can take a taxi seat. Either way, we're giving you something great for your support, and we'll keep on giving you great radio throughout the year. Programming at UMFM is for you and thanks to you, and from October 17th to 24th, we need you. So visit umfm.com for complete details on free pledging, and find out how to make a pledge now or during Pledgerama October 17th to 24th. Indeed, it is Pledgerama 2014 right here at UMFM. You're tuned into Sacred Space. Jared in the booth. George sunning on a sunning on a balcony in Chilliwack. Um, so we are halfway through the show, and uh, and the the pledges have been coming in, sir. Um, so uh, we we have heard from. Uh, the lovely Lynn, of course, who uh, who pledged her support and is out there taking calls. Uh, we've heard from uh, Myrna Podolsky. Oh, all right on. Hi, Myrna. Uh, hey, Norm. Hey, Norm. And we've heard from uh, Susan Ostapowicz. Oh, Sue is wonderful. She's got awesome, awesome author. And just uh, just heard from Jan Beeren. Oh, Jan. Oh, yeah. We got to chat, Jan, and we will. She just went through the uh, Monroe Institute that just uh, opened. Uh, a sister um, uh, place out on the island here in uh, BC, and uh, she just went uh, a little while ago, and we we're going to chat about her experience. And the other cool thing was another friend of mine uh, uh, is out there. Oh no, actually, he went down to Virginia to the actual to the Monroe Institute down in Virginia. And then uh, we've also heard from Ray Buteau. <laughs> That's Ray. <laughs> who, uh, who uh, I believe, was also the guy who called me yes, about is, uh, Celestine Prophecy. Yeah, Ray is awesome. He, he is, uh, we're we're going to do some more uh, uh, work. Uh, we're going to have him on. He's coming out with a second book um, soon, and uh, we're going to have him on uh, with that. And I also want to talk to him about his experience uh, at the Memorial Institute as well. And, uh, yeah, he's just uh, another one of our uh, uh, fantastic listeners who, uh, you know, I love getting feedback from all of them. And uh, it's just a, it just, it's like a greater family, and it's beautiful. Well, yeah, when he called in, we had a good talk. <laughs> yeah, he's awesome. I love Ray. He's, he's wicked. We don't agree on everything, and that's okay, and that's what I love about it. We pretty much agree on everything else, but there's this one, we have one thing. Most people that know me know that I'm not much of a religious person, um, but because um, um, I kind of make a distinction between spiritual and religious. Sure. And uh, so, but that's the one contention, and I, I love rapping with Ray because he he kind of gives a, a unique perspective on the whole thing, and uh, another fantastic author. And I can't wait for his uh, second. And uh, I can't remember whether he's going to do it in two or three. For some reason, I'm thinking he's going to do it in three, but I can't remember whether that got changed or not. But I know a second one's coming out uh, in the next few months. I believe I could be wrong, but maybe a bit longer. But I'm looking forward to that. Nice. So one of the things I wanted to ask you is that you do interviews with a very, very wide swath of people. And you've talked to, you know, you talk to authors, you talk to talk to um, musicians from time to time, you talk to spiritualists, you talk to elders. How do you sort of go about 
figuring out who you want to talk to and then making that sort of that initial contact because I know that you like to do a very very sort of particular style of interview and you want to you want to really sort of engage with with your person and you want to bring that to your listener so how how do you go about selecting who you're interviewing it's interesting there's there's a a myriad of ways Um, I try to keep it as real as possible so meaning if I'm talking to a friend of mine and they play a song that I haven't heard before and I go wow and I want to check out that that artist and uh, then uh, you know one thing leads to another and I have this kind of um, invitation that I send out and it t- tells a little bit about the show and some of the types of guests that I've had on the show and so it gives them a bit of a, a, a you know a quick glance as to what type of show and the type of people that I've had on. And so that's one way. Another way is I've had over the years probably an association with half a dozen or more different publishing companies, and they send me, like, their list of the next books coming out in the year or whatever, and I'll check off the ones that I like. I'm getting such an amazingly extensive library. And and so I'll check off, ah, that one sounds interesting, that one sounds interesting. And then they send me, you know, the book to preview. And then if I read it and I like what I read, I get in touch with their uh, publicist or their um, agent or assistant, and uh, and then it just continues on from there. Or I go to um, different gatherings or indigenous leadership uh, uh, gatherings, um, meet people, and uh, just you know start it. This is what I do. These are some of the people I've had on the show, and. Um, and go from there, and then the, the, the coolest one I gotta say is when somebody comes to me, and I, I'll, I'll, I'll put this one out there now. This is an example of that. I had on um, I don't know a couple years ago uh, this woman by the name of Patricia Corey, and she's quite high up in certain circles in the spiritualist movement <clears throat> and the metaphysical, you know, uh, family I guess worldwide, and she's a prolific author. Um, her book that she just sent me is called The Emissary and it's being made into a TV movie and she's already um, started on the second one the script for the for the uh, second movie and um, and she just just before I came here to uh, BC I was actually going to she was going to be on the show like the next week and I had to actually phone and say look I'm sorry but I'm I, I got to go take care of my mom and go help my mom so we're going to have to do this when I get back and so she actually sent me the book and said, hey, can I, I'd love to come back on the show again. And that is just, that is so cool when that happens. And so that kind of thing happens. And then, uh, you know, I, I, I like to also play not just, uh, you know, radio visits or interviews, but, you know, if I hear a lecture from somebody, mm-hmm. or if I hear something from, you know, uh, uh, Timothy Leary or Terrence McKenna, or, you know, Noam Chomsky even, um, different people like that. Um, you know, it, it, and this, this is a, a, a cool one. When I, I had kind of like two visions when all that incubation was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first one was a Chenrezig meditation, which is a heart chakra meditation with the Dalai Lama. Now, I was able to actually do that in 1990 with His Holiness, and it was freaking awesome. And it was an amazing experience. And that was one of the things that I wanted to kind of put 
over on radio waves and have it go out on radio waves. That and um, just uh, the vision was of just sitting on top of some ruins, Machu Picchu or some other type, and just rapping with a South American shaman. And um, just a few years back, I got in, and I can't even remember how I got in contact with Raymond. Raymond is a hermit, is this fellow who married into the Embera people of the Panamanian rainforest. And the family that he married into have been uh, uh, medicine people for centuries. So they know the Amazon and the, and the plants and how to use them for this, that, the other. And um, so in a way, and I said to him on air, I said to him, you know, this is like fulfilling a type of vision that I had from the very beginning about, you know, because sometimes when, you're, when you envision something or visualize something, it can happen, but not exactly ha- how you visualized it or envisioned it. And so for me, talking to this guy who has been living in the Amazon for, you know, 20, 30 years with this family of great uh, 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 curanderos um, or, or healers, um, you know, knowing of this type of uh, uh, plant science, um, and have been doing it for thousands of years, it, it was a fulfillment of that vision, and, and it was just such a such a cool thing. And, and he was like, oh, it's the same here. You know, I like, need to share this. There's so many medicines that can help people, and, and um, it's just a, a beautiful, beautiful thing to be able to uh, be in a position uh, that I am in and so lucky that uh, I'm at UMFM and, and have the ability to do and and play the things that I play, that it, it, it's, uh, you know, even if there was nobody listening, in some ways it, it wouldn't even matter. Because you, just, you're putting you, it out there. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, it's, it's being shared and it, it's at least being put out there. And, and the bonus, the gravy of it all, is that people listen and then give feedback, whether it's through... Uh, uh, emails or Facebook or in supporting the station. And I forgot to say while I'm talking about this that um, the first $100 given during this time of sacred space, um, that person will co-host a show with me. Oh, nice. Yeah, of our mutual uh, uh, acceptance. And um, well, and, uh, yeah, we'll co-host a show together. Well, it looks like you're going to be co-hosting a show with Jan Buren. So. <laughs> Right on, Jen. <laughs> so, it's you and me. There you go. Uh, hey, I got to ask you uh, the story that you were just telling about interviewing uh, interviewing that gentleman. Was that the phone call we got in, got in some trouble from the university yeah, for? That was it. That, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was fantastic. That was unreal. I couldn't believe that. Uh, yeah, yeah. We uh, just a quick uh, aside. We got a we got a call shortly. Uh, I guess the the next day from uh, from campus phone services saying, "Hey, did you know somebody from uh, your uh, your radio?" station was talking to somebody in south america for two hours yesterday what was the nature of that call and i was like uh was it between eight and ten in the morning and they said yeah how'd you know and i was like oh, you know george talks to people all over the world <laughs> yeah and they're like so what was he talking about and i'm like honest oh honestly uh you know i'm sure i'm sure it was very very interesting and uh and you know what you guys don't really need to worry about it so uh so thanks for letting me know <laughs> Boy, I tell you. yeah that That's was awesome insane. you know i had uh, uh not quite to that extent but but uh uh, I, I thought maybe it was just my own uh, paranoia, but I, 
when I had the uh, early in the years of uh, uh, being there at the station, it had the Falun Gong people on. Mm-hmm. And, oh, my God, they were just so cool. I'm not sure. Are they still, do you know if they're still at the university? The yeah. Falun, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's, there's a Falun Gong uh, student group that is, uh, is very, very active. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know what? I'm... I can't remember if they're meditating and 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 practicing on Saturdays or Sundays now. But right, and, yeah. and it was Sundays for a while. Because I remember when we came in, mm-hmm. they were all in in the room on the on the bottom floor there. Yep, they were going in and sitting in meditation and stuff. But the last few times, for some reason, I don't recall seeing them there. Yeah, no, they've been uh, yeah they've been doing that for uh, for years for a yeah. long long time and uh, yeah I uh, a couple years ago probably well probably four or five now we were doing a really really uh, big push towards trying to engage uh, all the different student groups here over over the summer and uh, had the opportunity to meet the individual who was leading the group at that time and uh, yeah, he was a super super cool guy oh, I and uh, very yeah. awesome awesome uh, uh, people and and uh, unfortunately have preyed upon people yeah in uh, in some areas of the world but uh, yeah you know it, it, it's just it's reminding me of some of the past guests and and uh, you know the Vipassana people Michael Panko and the Vipassana people, and Vipassana, for people who don't know, is an awesome, awesome experience where you go out, it's got a Vipassana meditation, you go out to their place, and it's this fairly big place, and uh, they take care of your room, your food, everything, it's free, and you go there, and I think it's at least you got to sign up for 10 days, and you don't speak, except to, I think they... Um, they have a uh, like a leader for a certain number of people. So uh, in the afternoons, you get an hour that you can talk to the leader about things that you're going through, things that are coming up, and then you know maybe once in the evening, and that's it. So the whole thing is about not talking, so that you get into your inner self. And I've always wanted to do a vipassana meditation because um, I can go silent for you know this is it might be hard for people to think, but I've always been an introvert. I'm having a hard time envisioning you going silent, actually. I know. I've always been the silent person in the group up until I started doing the show, and then it started, things started to come up. So I was always the person who was the observer in the sense of when I was, especially when I was traveling with Billy, because, you know, he's the great sweat lies leader and and a beautiful human being he was. And, um, you know, so I'd just sit back, and I was, he was always like, George, just watch, listen, and watch my back. So I would just stand back a bit, and there's so many places I've been that people don't even know I was there. So it's always like the person in the background, eh? and then we get afterwards and talk and stuff. But, um, um, yeah, I was always that person who was just silent and listened. But, and now I'm now you can't shut me up once I get going. <laughs> I don't think we'd want to. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I tell you, it's, a, it's an interesting experience to go from an introvert to... Uh, at least two hours of an extrovert. Now, I know that a lot of the guests that you have on the show, uh, you know, end up becoming becoming friends and then also end up being people that you sort of you touch base with yeah. on on a regular on a regular basis. Are there any out there that that you would 
you know, you would like to bring back or you would like to like to get back and, you know, maybe for one reason or another schedules haven't permitted? Oh, yeah, for sure. There is actually many. Um, the one, a couple that spring to mind right now is uh, Michael Tessarian. Uh, we've did, oh, over the years, probably three or four uh, radio visits. I haven't probably in the last uh, six or seven years talked to him. He is one wise dude and uh, incredibly knowledgeable, incredibly passionate. Uh, I'm just a, a historian when it comes to Scotland. Actually wrote and he sent me his three volumes and they're huge um, on the history of Scotland. And um, he's just uh, again a prolific author, uh, uh, an engaging speaker, and uh, has a mind of Leonardo da Vinci. He's just one of the much like uh, Frank Albo, a local uh, a local man who spends some of his time in Cambridge, but. Um, who uh, people may know from the legislative building in his book on the legislative building, um, one of the smartest people I have ever come across. And actually, he, was, he told me that he was the first person that University of Manitoba was going to give tenure to without ever teaching in Winnipeg. Huh. First time it's ever happened. But uh, another crazy, uh, amazingly smart guy. Another one that I, again, in the old days, had three or four visits with was Dr. Albert Taylor. He was a 28-year NASA scientist. Um, and then he worked on, he had, uh, what did he call it? He called it a special clearance. It was like, um, I forget now the name. I'm not, I'll, just, I'll just say quantum clearance, although that I know wasn't it, but... He had this special clearance. He worked on the space station. He worked on the space shuttle. He worked on several different satellites. He worked on a number of things. And, uh, but he was also an, uh, an amazing lucid dreamer who wrote this book called The Soul Traveler. And it was about his, his experiences, starting from a small child to adulthood, about lucid dreaming. Hmm. And for people who don't know what lucid dreaming is, lucid dreaming is awesome. Like in... Luckily enough, uh, I say that I have lucid dream in the past many, many times, and it's where you become conscious in your dream. You actually wake up while you're still dreaming. So you wake up in a dream and go, oh, my God, you have the same consciousness you have right now. You wake up and go, oh, my God, I'm dreaming. Now, for me, when I first started lucid dreaming, um, I'd get so excited that I'd wake myself up and I'd come out of my dream. So in his book, Soul Traveler, he had some techniques to use. So that you try and bring your excitement down so you don't wake yourself up. And then you can go off and, and have uh, amazing... I love, I love to fly. Mm-hmm. So I fly every single time I lose a dream. And, um, yeah, I, I would love to know what he's up to now. He, tells this re- he told this really cool story of when he first quit NASA and wrote his book. It was self-published in the beginning. It later became New York Times' number one bestseller. Um, but when he first self-published, he was going to, he said he was going to, like, book signings and three people would show up. And he said, I said, uh, this one book signing and three people had shown up. And halfway through, this one woman gets up and says, I'm sorry, but I have to leave. 
So he said, I'm down to two. So he says, afterwards, he was kind of feeling a bit low, mm-hmm. going like, what did I do? I quit my NASA job, and oh, my God, am I just being an idiot? Uh, a few days later, he gets this phone call. It was a, the, the publishing company that got him the freaking New York Times, on the New York Times bestseller. She was one of the uh, agents or publishers and uh, said, yeah, I'd love to have you. Signed him, and his book became a New York Times bestseller selling number one best-selling book so again it doesn't the, the amount of people that show up to to go to your book signing or, or turn on their radio dial to listen to your show is really irrelevant it's the all num- depend it's all dependent on on who's in the audience yeah, it's not exactly. how big the audience is right yeah yeah exactly so that that would be one um, I tell you there's another cool story uh, and it's this was one of my longest ones and I'm still working on Charles DeLint, who's an amazing Canadian author. I've read a number of his books. He's just terrific. And, uh, but he's also a really good musician. We'll play one of his songs next. Um, but um, I, I, was, uh, uh, I came across, and sometimes, you know, I, I call it tubing, where I go on the Internet and I just ride the, the waves of <laughs> the World Wide Web. Yeah. And where I end up, I never know. Right. Of the place where I started, and I just never know. But I came across this site called Time of the Sixth Sun, and it was about this documentary that these people were doing. And so I thought, well, what the heck, I'll email them, and I did. And uh, Nikki, the, the writer, director, producer, actually writes back and says, you know, the, we're, we're not quite done all the filming yet. We still need to go to Africa and, and, and get some uh, shots there. And But, uh, you know, keep in contact and... Uh, you know, let's, let's just keep in contact. And I kind of ended at that and thought, okay, well, kept in contact over the years and about four or five years later. And I kept, you know, is it time yet? Is it time yet? And then finally, I was like, yeah, we're done. We're in post-production. Uh, it's been nine years that they've worked on the show, on the documentary. And it's been four years since I first talked to her. And just a few years back, I had uh, Nikki Williams, who's the writer, producer, director, and Ben Cole, the uh, director of photography, who also did this other documentary called One Giant Leap, which is just freaking amazing. And, um, and so I had them on the show. Finally, it took four years, though, to actually get them from point A to coming on the show and talking about the experience of, of uh, doing their documentary. And um, that kind of thing, again, is just so rewarding and so cool to be able to share with. And, and that's kind of what I, you know, for me, it's just my life. It's what's going on at the time of my life. That it's kind of a reflection of the type of guest. It's just what's going on, you know, who I'm into at that time or who I'm meeting or, you know, that kind of thing. And, um, yeah, so that one was pretty cool. Well, I, I remember that one, too, because she called the station. She called the station looking for you. That's right. That's right. right. And uh, I forgot about that. England. They're from England, correct? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And yep. uh, you know, we don't we don't get a ton of calls from uh, you know long extended European phone numbers, and then there's an English accent on the other end, <laughs> yeah. and they're they're asking about you, and it's like, okay, well. It seems legit, but, yeah. you know, I don't give out a lot of, uh, I rarely give out host contact information unless they can kind of prove that they are who they say they are, et cetera, et cetera. But then I remember calling you yeah. and passing that on to you and you freaking out on I the was. other other end of the phone, oh like, God, oh, my, oh my God, God, I've been yeah. trying to land this for for four or five yeah. years, and, yeah. and it's like the culmination of all sorts of hard work, right? Yeah, yeah, 
it, it was just that idea. That is so. I, I completely forgot all about that. This other one that I that 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 was really cool for me was they had this guy. Oh, what was his name? Uh, Doctor Christopher Riley. He is the uh, uh, um, he's a broadcaster and and filmmaker that specializes in documentaries, and he did a documentary on Yuri Gagarin's 50th anniversary. And uh, so he had all this archival footage of Yuri Gagarin's first orbit. And um, and then they kind of did the whole doc around that um, historic footage. And just uh, it, uh, the people the guy talked to and, and the things that he did. And it was just unbelievable. Like, for example, one of the questions I asked him was, you know, I, I, you know, and he talked to like at least a hundred different astronauts, and I said, did, like, did any of them not say that they were changed by being up in space and looking down at the Earth? And he said, absolutely, every one of them. Well, how could you not? How could you? I not? mean, it's just like talking talk about like pondering one's sort of insignificance, right? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, looking down at your home planet is is an experience that only a handful of men and women will ever get to enjoy yeah. and uh and and looking at looking down and just sort of contemplating the uh the irrelevance of it all and sort of also then you know what does it all mean and a whole number of philosophical questions i think you're jumping could jump down a, a real wormhole there but yeah yeah well uh, should we go quickly through the uh, swag before we go to the next uh, song i think that's a good idea yeah yeah so so what what's the station i know there's a there's a couple of uh new items that well, the station is putting out this year <clears throat> we've got a couple of different different wrinkles this year so basically at Starting at $10, $10 is kind of the minimum donation if you want to get a uh, tax receipt. Um, now, uh, of course, we'll take any donation, any any amount, big or small counts, of course. Uh, but if you want a tax receipt, uh, the minimum is $10. And then the next uh, level one is, is $25, and you'll get yourself a UMFM uh, CD. It's called Transmissions from UMFM Volume 3. And uh, and it's stuff that's all recorded live here. Uh, runs the gamut from from you know noisy rock and roll to jazz to funk to hip hop to there's all sorts of stuff on there. And then at fifty dollars, you'll get yourself the CD as well as a UMFM travel mug. Uh, pretty pretty sharp looking mug. I'm uh, enjoying a coffee out of it right now. Uh, $75, you get a CD, and then you get a T-shirt or a toque. Uh, $101.50, you get a CD, a travel mug, a T-shirt, or a toque. Uh, $150, you get everything that we've talked about, so CD, travel mug, toque, shirt. And then at $250, you can have two of each, plus you get a UMFM hoodie, or you can also have just one of each and take a tax receipt for $100. The big change this year is that everybody who donates, big or small, doesn't matter if you want a tax receipt or the incentive package, we're sending everybody our Friends with Benefits card, which is this this card that gets you 
uh, incentives at over 40 different businesses here in town. So things like record stores, of course, coffee shops, of course, uh, festivals, movie theaters, graphic designers, the whole nine yards. We've also got, uh, there's a yoga studio on there uh, that might be of interest to your listeners. There's also massage therapy, might be of interest. And uh, it's just really, really great stuff. And it's uh, it's cool. It's another example of the local businesses and, and sort of the, the little guy supporting supporting us and we like to send business to all of our friends and partners and that's that's really really cool then we've got a bunch of different uh, bonus draws at $75 we do a daily draw for for half half pints and we give out a prize pack to them and then at the end everybody who pledges 75 and above goes into uh, a, a grand prize draw and it's uh, a private brewery tour at half pints brewing uh, and a and a tasting for you and up to twenty friends and afterwards you get to you get to take home a keg of one of their uh, their top beverages and then one hundred one fifty is something new this year. Everybody who pledges at one hundred one fifty and above will get entered into a draw that will be ongoing throughout the year, and we will draw tickets for or for a pair of tickets to everything that we. Present so that's everything from shows. Uh, we do draws for opera tickets, movie tickets, um, the symphony, the Winnipeg Chamber Orchestra, a whole number of different things. And then at the the cool thing about that as well is that if you win once, that's great. If you win fifteen times, that's fine too. Your name just keeps going back into the draw. And we draw, we'll probably be doing two, three, four of those a week. Wow. Uh, last year, Ballpark, we presented or, or, or did giveaways on about 115 to 120 different events. Cool. So you think about that, there's a lot of chances to win. And then uh, the big one, $250, we, we have this thing called the Golden Ticket. And what it does is you and a guest can go to every show at the Park Theatre or the West End Cultural Centre or the Pyramid, and then also two tickets for uh, every show that Jazz Winnipeg uh, does during their annual festival in the summer, and then two passes to uh, two five-day passes to the Winnipeg Folk Festival. So if you're a music fan, it's kind of it's kind of like the ultimate prize, right? Because you can go see. Whatever you want, and it's super easy to use. All you have to do is, and again, this is this is like an interactive thing because you're forced to engage with 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 Michael and myself. And you say you have to send us up, uh, send us a, a list every month, and say, "Hey, this is what I want to do. This, 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 and this." And I send it off to the venue, and they say, "Yep, excellent. I've got it marked down." Uh, our friend Gail. Last year, won the golden ticket for the West End Cultural Center, and I'm guessing that she's gone to probably at least fifty or sixty shows this year. Wow! Which is a value of at least fifteen hundred dollars in yeah. concert tickets, yeah. and has taken friends, has taken a different person, and it's interesting too because when I went back in the summer and I said, "Hey." You know, uh, talked to my friend Jason at the West End Cultural Center and said, hey, we're interested in doing this again. Are you guys interested? And before I could get the words out of my mouth, he's like, yeah, we're in. We're in. And he's like, you know what? Gail has been an awesome ambassador for the West End. And a lot of the people that she's brought in are now regular 
concert goers and people who are buying tickets and stuff. So it's like this this awesome little ecosystem that we've built, right? That just keeps going around and around and around. And we support our community. Our community supports us. We support the businesses. We support the people who make Winnipeg uh, an interesting, uh, interesting place, a great place to live. And uh, that's the that's the role of campus and community radio, you know. So if you're if you're into if you're into that and you want to give us a call and you want to give us some support, uh, the number is two zero four four seven four six six one zero. We've got about half an hour left, and then uh, then the jazz man Ray Alexander is going to come in here. I see him; he's out there. He's stalking around. He's getting ready, and uh, and he's going to uh, going to take us through till twelve noon. And uh, yeah, it's uh, Sunday's a great place to be here on UMFM. There's really really great uh, programming, and honestly, it's the first sort of community of people. I know all the Sunday hosts. You all love talking to one another. Yeah, that's very. You know, true. it would have yeah. been it would have been great. We could have followed the lead from uh, a lot of uh, a lot of the the Sunday hosts because uh, you guys have all been uh, become friendly. And yeah. hey, we're joined we're joined by a special guest here. You might you might know this voice, George. George, do you this is this is your life, George? Right out. Do you know this voice? Uh-oh. 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 <laughs> Am I in trouble? <laughs> no, no, no. I just wanted to put a, a huge thank you to Jan. Wicked. For her uh, wonderful uh, $100 donation. Yep. And, and she gets to come co-host the show with them. She gets to come co-host, yeah. She does, yeah. <laughs> That'll be really exciting for her. Cool, cool. I, I just have to say, I've had such a love-in on the phones. <laughs> oh, right on. <laughs> it's been just absolutely wonderful between Myrna and Norm and... Ray and Susan, it's like, you know. <laughs> oh, it's wicked, isn't it? It does, it does the heart good. <laughs> it does, it does. You know, it's like, uh, again, it, and, it's, and it's very similar in that a lot of times, um, you know, we've gotten to be friends, especially from, from, from the local uh, yeah. uh, people that, you know, start listening to the show, and then they know somebody that we know, and then we end up going someplace for an evening of tea and talk, and and they become friends, and it's just like in in BC we used to have live stream um, barbecues where we'd get to you know all whoever wanted to come that were listeners of live streams could come and meet Larry and I, and we'd you know have barbecue and play ping pong and badminton and different things. And now in Winnipeg, it's because Winnipeg is a whole different thing than BC. So Winnipeg, you, you go and and you have tea and talk. And you just sit down, you, ha- you have a good supper someplace or some cool Moroccan tea and, uh, and just sit and wrap. And it- it's, the, it's one of the grandest rewards of any of it is being able to, uh, in some way, shape, or form, um, uh, meet people through one thing that one of you is doing and then become fast friends very soon thereafter. It's very, very cool. I so agree. I, I, I thank all of the all of the listeners, all of the supporters, because uh, um, you know it's what keeps me doing what we do. You bet. So I guess uh, we'll go to. I, I mentioned uh, uh, Charles Delint. So uh, uh, Charles Delint's "A Cherokee Girl," um, wicked song from a wicked author. 
Excellent. You're tuned in uh, to uh, Pledgerama 2014, Sacred Space. Uh, phone number again, 204-474-6610. Uh, we'll be back with, uh, with George after this song, Cherokee Girl, Charles DeLint, right here, UMFM 101.5. Coyotes in the wash, you know he never gets stuck He drives a battered old 57 pickup truck Cherokee girl sitting right by his side She got struggled hair, she gives a prayer to the sky Singing hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Up in the Rincon's back at some canyon There's a mesquite fire and the people are gathering Rattlesnake, rattle, shake, stick on drum And the Cherokee girl leads them in her song Singing hey ya, hey ya, hey ya There are four directions, only one creator Call him what you want, you know it doesn't matter There's only one thing you got to remember Everything in this world is a brother or sister Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Red-tailed hawk, he's a brujo man He's got a word or two about the care of the land But nobody's listening, they don't understand They just see a hawk, they don't see the man Singing hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Oh, the aunts and uncles watch over the fire While the people let the flames build higher and higher Inside the lodge, steam jumps from the rocks And the Cherokee girl sings about the hawk Singing hey ya, hey ya, hey ya There are four directions, only one creator Call him what you want, you know it doesn't matter There's only one thing you've got to remember Everything in this world is a brother or sister Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Only one creator Call him what you want You know it doesn't matter There's only one thing You've got to remember Everything in this world Is a brother or sister Where the sycamores grow See the red rocks rise Hear the sun of the crow She's got the desert in her heart So deep and old But the Cherokee girl's got a sycamore soul Singing hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Coyote's in the wash You know he never gets stuck He drives a battered old 57 pickup truck Jack Rabbit sitting in the shotgun seat Tapping her foot to a Cherokee beat Singing hey ya, hey ya, hey ya Charles DeLint, Cherokee Girl, Sacred Space, Pledgerama 2014. And uh, one of the things that we were talking about is uh, how the show has sort of uh, helped UMFM get out into a community that that we haven't ever really been a part of. And you've, you guys have been really, really great ambassadors for us. So do you want to touch on that a little bit? 
Yeah, you know, in the we did a lot more in the early days, but um, yeah, we used to go to um, here in town. Well, actually, there's a, there's a number of things. Um, thanks to Anna Olson, I got to say first and foremost, Anna Olson has been one of our longtime listeners and a huge uh, friend and uh, benefactor of Sacred Space. Anna Olson is the founder of the Aquarian newspaper. And some may know of the Aquarian. It's a free newspaper that gets delivered in a number of places across the city in Winnipeg. And it's kind of like the um, spiritual center where, of whatever is going on in Winnipeg at any given time. Lots of cool stories. Susan Harrell now does, another friend of the show, um, does the online version of the Aquarian. Now she's in charge of that. And um, but yeah, Anna Olson was just beautiful. I mean, she you know gave us free press in the aquarium. I'd have her on the show. We'd share and talk, and without me asking or anything, she would put in every once in a while a little blurb on sacred space in the newspaper. And it was just this really cool, um, what would you call it? Mutual admir. I don't want to say admiration because that's not the right word, but. It's mutual, maybe a mutual respect. Yeah, there we go. Mutual respect of each other. And uh, it, it, it was very cool to be uh, you know, out in the community and having the community see that in another way to get the sacred space. And on the other hand, being able to go to different... Uh, and it was kind of Anna that kind of got me into it. There's a thing that went on, and I, I believe it still goes on now, but not to quite the extent it, it did in the past, called the Mind Body Spirit Show. Here or here, I'm not here. I'm in PC, but in Winnipeg, and um, you know, we used to go there quite uh, religiously, and we would come and stop by and grab the big banner, the UMFM big banner, and uh, go there and, and get a table, and uh, might have a few of Michelle Bodine's CDs, maybe a couple shows to give away, just to get out, you know, to and let people know that there's a a radio station in, in, in the city of Winnipeg that goes out to the community, the outreaches to the community, and has different people of the community on the show. And I just I, I want to talk about a few of those. Um, and, of course, being one of them, and this one, uh, another one that was a huge hit for me that I just, uh, you know, I, I think I mentioned Frank Elbow. He was as cool. Uh, yeah, an amazing singer-songwriter. She's a yoga instructor, Beth Martins. She's just absolutely wonderful. Beautiful human being, beautiful voice. Um, to be able to have like such a myriad of whether it be uh, poets or musicians or artists like Robert Pasternak, who did my logo, like I have a card, you know, sacred space. Um, and he did the artwork for that card. And because I had him on the show one time, and I've actually had him on since, and this is the cool part. The last time I had him on, I had him on just before, like weeks before he had to close his studio. So I got the actual last pictures that I know of, um, of his studio before he had to take it, everything down and, and, and kind of uh, move it to their house to get a bigger house, and so they couldn't afford both. But the studio was, oh, it was just just to walk into an, uh, an artist, you know, who is a, um, what would you call it, somebody who's being able to live on their art. Um, so, he, you know, he works in all kinds of mediums, whether it's uh, paints or 
um, funky posters. And last year, I believe, the posters of Roberts, or was it the year before? It's first year. Yeah, the first year, were a huge hit. Because he's just a, he's an amazing artist. He's been in lots of magazines, and he's done magazine covers for different types of magazines. He's just an amazing artist. And to be able to... And I'm a huge art fan. I mean, I, I love, you know, Picasso and Chagall and Dali. Who is Dali? He's in, some of his work is in the... It's at the museum right, right now. now. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. really I, cool. I can't wait to get back. Cause I've stood in front of Dali's before, and they're just... Uh, he's mm-hmm. just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so to have people like that, and then Ray, of course, who we've mentioned, um, had him on the show, Will, of course, again. Um, and then... Um, and this is, this is kind of a cool thing. Uh, when, I, when I lived in BC, in the college that I went to for my uh, youth care, um, was this anthropology professor. And he was also a folklorist. And so when I came, first came to Winnipeg, he's like, oh, man, you, an old friend of mine lives there by the name of Kay Stone. You've got to look up Kay Stone. And I forgot, and years passed, and we're going back and forth to BC and that. And he's like, did you, did you connect with Kay? And I'm like, no, not yet. So finally, I ended up connecting with her, and oh my God, they've got this like story thing that they do once or twice a week in different venues to bring in these awesome speakers and storytellers and folklorists from around the continent, and just just an amazing human being and just a, a beautiful sharer of stories. And of course, everyone knows I do, I love listening to people's stories. So it's just it's to be able to. And this is the this has always been the biggest high for me to be able to be a, a, a participant slash more an observer really, um, and and to give a platform for people to be able to share their story, whether it be like a myth or a legend, or and this is something that I'm really been getting into lately, their own transformational stories. And because I, I, this is my theory around transformational storytelling, that when you've had an experience in your life, and it was a transformational experience, every time you share that story, that transformational energy comes through you. And so you get a little bit of that energetic quality again, but not only do you get it, but the people that you tell that transformational experience or story to also get little hits of that transformational energetic um electrical um energy i guess and and so for me i i'm i really love those and i i really love people that's why you know just for people to tell their stories and to share this everybody's got a story everybody doesn't matter if you're you know this this is an interesting one we got today i got enough time for this one i had this guest on in um, in BC, here in BC, actually. And I've had a similar one since I've been to Winnipeg, but him not so much. But this guy that I had on in uh, in the first, uh, uh, what would you call the first birth of the show, um, was this incredibly fundamentalist religious zealot. He is the type that would walk around Nelson with the with the uh, boards on his back and stomach, repent, repent, the end is near, all that kind of stuff. Really, in most people's eyes, out to lunch. But anyway, had him on the show. And we're not harsh, but we're firm in our, you know, what perspectives and his perspectives. And 
after the show, he comes up to me and he goes, you know what? I just want to shake your hand, man. Because you're the first person that would just listen. It doesn't matter whether you agree or disagree. That's really irrelevant. But just that you listen. And I tell you what, he said, if you ever make it big, I want to be the first one to contribute. Hmm. And this is from some, what I would consider to be a, a fundamentalist zealot. But um, it just goes to show that when you approach somebody on a humanistic equal level, it, it, it's okay to disagree. You know, it doesn't matter whether you agree or not. What matters is if you go there on an equal balance, you balance that you're no greater or lesser than that person, and you, you have equal footing, and you just share, and it's okay to disagree. You don't have to agree on everything to, to respect somebody or to like uh, uh, some part of them, or even if you don't like a certain part of them, it doesn't mean as a human being that they are any unworthy than you. No, I mean, it's... Uh it's a difference of opinion that kind of makes makes the world go round, right? I mean, I might not necessarily agree with with everything that you have to say, yep. but I certainly respect it. And uh, you know, if if you might not like all the different kinds of music that I listen to, yep. but you know what? The you you respect the fact that I'm passionate about what I believe in, yep. and uh, you know that's what's great. That's what's great about. Uh, campus and community radio. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I don't love every show that's on our airwaves. Oh, no doubt. B- believe it or not. <laughs> uh, um, that's all I'll say. But I certainly, I respect everybody's passion. I respect what everybody brings to the table. Um, you know, we have a policy that most campus radio stations do not have in that they will not cap uh they will not uh, catalog all the music that they get they go through and they cull it and they they you know some stuff just kind of kind of gets te- shoved to the side or whatnot and that's our we catalog everything that we get yeah. and you know the thing is it's like i might not like it you might not like it but somebody might like it and we want to make sure that if they do they can play it yeah, well, I, I, I tell you, man, like, uh, seriously, uh, the, I, I know from, from being at a, a few different stations that there is no harder worker than a station manager or a musical <laughs> director. They are on 24-7. Kind of, yeah. And, I mean, it's just amazing. I mean, you, you work hard enough as it is, let alone when it's Pledgerama week, because then it's like oomped up you know, 100%, and, mm-hmm. and you're getting two hours sleep a night, and you got kids, and you got family, and you got issues, and, and stuff is still going on. Yet, here you are mm-hmm. at 8 o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. Sunday morning, at the station. Yeah, I've, been here since, I've been here since 5.30. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I went to bed last night at about 1, so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's amazing, and you guys do not get the credit and the... Uh, the deserving applause that, that uh, you really should get every single day because uh, I tell you, uh, just from being a, a small participant in it all, uh, wow, the, the work you guys do from any community station across Canada is just phenomenal. People have no idea the amount of time, passion, effort uh, um, that is put in by, by station managers around uh, Kootenai. Or, or Kootenai. 
around uh, co-op radio. Well, <clears throat> I appreciate you saying that. Uh, the thing is, you know, it's at the end of the day, you know, it's I, it's maybe it's not as financially rewarding as the the initial career path that I had gone down, and you know, I probably at at this point would have been would have been making a lot more money. But it was interesting. A friend of mine, a friend of mine, actually a former UMFM show host, was uh, was a lawyer. And he was a member of our board and was a lawyer for a long time. And he, on Friday, uh, announced that he, after, after six years of practicing law here in the city, um, was returning his law license and just said you know what i'm out and he uh he had a couple of of really interesting things to say and he basically he said you know what do what you want to do because you like to do it and do what you want to do because it makes you feel happy and uh let's see what did he say so he says that some, he's like, lawyers are some of the kind, kindest, selfless, motivated, and interesting people out there. And they're also some of the greediest, arrogant, self-centered, egotistical a-holes out there. And he said, you know what? Every Canadian needs to go spend time on a First Nations reserve. <laughs> and all Canadian children need to be taught about the legacy of the residential schools act. And he said, time is worth more than money, and living to work is not living at all. Stress will shorten your life, and money will never be an adequate compensation. Interesting things will become work very quickly, and smart people will do dumb things, and many will blame anyone but themselves. You will make friends in the unlikeliest of places with the unlikeliest of people, and that you can never please some people, especially those who need to be perceived to be smarter to you. It's easier to work for free than it is to ask a poor person to pay you, and very few people have their stuff completely together. So always be looking forward to the next chapter in life. Enjoy where you're at, but you know, always be looking forward and be open to the possibility of, of new adventures and new ideas. I thought it was pretty cool. And, uh, freaking cool. He's, uh, he's a good guy, and I don't know what he's going to do now, but he's, he, he's had enough. Wow. I'm, I'm sure he's, he's burned all his ties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I tell you, that actually reminded me of, I'm going to uh, sometime soon after I get back, as well as uh, have Patricia Corey on, but I've gotten in contact with these two. There's one in California, and the other one is in oh, either New Zealand or Australia. But they live on zero money. Mm-hmm. And the one in uh, California lives in a cave. Um, the other guy, I forget. Uh, but um, that, that, that exact same kind of philosophy, just follow your heart and um, you know, let it take you where it uh, takes you. And, uh, you know, interesting, I, I heard this actually from, from Lynn. And, uh, you know, it's a great saying that you, you work to live. You don't live to work. Yeah, and uh, I think you know what we could all all be sort of more mindful of that, right? I mean, yeah. you uh, you go 
you go through life and you think that a lot of different things are important, but at the end of the day, when you actually really think about it and you reflect upon it and, and you realize that you spend way too much time worrying about things that really you can't change, are inconsequential, and you're, you're not... Uh, taking enough time to stop and, and smell the roses, so to speak, right? And, yeah, yeah. and we could all, I think, learn a little bit more about about doing that and just kind of taking time and enjoying life and, yeah. and uh, you know, worrying about things like friends and family and, you know, new and exciting adventures and experiences. So. Yeah, and I tell you, that's why I, I uh, you know, I... I thank you for doing what you're doing here for me today. It's been oh, a, a huge help. And, no uh, problem. And, uh, you know, and knowing that, uh, you know, why I'm here. And the first words out of your mouth when I told you was, hey, man, friends, or sorry, family first. Yeah, oh, of course. And, uh, it's just, uh, you know, it's awesome that, uh, that uh, um, you know, that uh, you have that understanding. And, um and again, that you were able to help me, and I wanted to actually—I was going to play a couple of songs for sure for Amanda. Okay, um, but I'm not—I'm not going to play those now because it's too late. <laughs> okay, but, but um, I, so the uh, my end song, I think, which is pretty cool. Okay, because it's going to be one Eskimo, and it's amazing. And I'm going to—I choose that one. I was actually going to do a different one. I was going to play one that I haven't played on Secret Space before for something new. But um, because we have amazing volunteers, because we have amazing musical directors and station managers and show hosts and maybe first and foremost we have amazing listeners for sure and uh uh let this song speak to that because they're just freaking amazing for sure well hey george i really appreciate you inviting me on today it was a lot of fun and i had a had a really good uh, a really good uh, conversation with you and uh, and i really enjoyed uh, enjoyed being a part of this and i was glad you were able to participate and and be here even though you couldn't be here so uh you know good for you for taking taking the time to do this and hopefully now you can go and get some sleep i'm gonna go to bed <laughs> yeah no kidding um stay tuned too, but <laughs> well you know whatever i'll sleep at some point in the next yeah. next couple of weeks yeah um ray alexander fascinating, fascinating rhythm. rhythm he's coming up next uh you can give us a call all day here right up to and including th- uh 3 a.m uh the number here is 204-474-6610 you can visit us online umfm.com slash info slash donate and uh, and reach out to us and let us know what umfm means to you by supporting us here during pledgerama 2014 uh, we want to we want to take care of you. We want to give you uh, fabulous uh, swag and fabulous uh, prizes or tax receipts or what ha- what have you. All the shows have all sorts of different stuff, and you can call and pledge to whatever show you want throughout the week, and uh, and uh, you know just let let the host know that you appreciate what they're doing because I know that I appreciate the fact that they're coming in here on a weekly basis. They're giving freely of their time, and uh, and uh, they need to be recognized for that and thanked for that. So I appreciate it, and uh, and this is uh, this is amazing to close it off. Uh, and uh, yeah, thanks again, George. Awesome. Uh, thanks for everything. And like I normally say when I when I head out, uh, stay tuned for Alexander Fascinating Rhythm. Peace out. <laughs>